episode 23 of Between the Times. This is a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina, a podcast of Christ Church for Christ Church, and we're glad you have joined us today. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, John Payne. John, good to see you today. Great to see you, Ross. We are uh, unfortunately missing our good friend and colleague, Dr. Gabriel Williams. I think, John, didn't you mention he had a physics project today that he was working on? Yeah, I think, you know, Gabe, being a professor of physics at the College of Charleston, he works on all kinds of uh, interesting projects, and I, I think he mentioned something about needing to work on Santa Slay. Yeah, those turbo blasters, so that he can make good time this year. Yes, the turbo blasters aren't uh, doing so well. Um, I think that uh, Mrs. Claus accidentally put some cookies in there. Oh, well. <laughs> Clogged them all up. So they called Gabriel, you know, the top physics man in, in, uh, in the southeast. So. Well, you know, Gabe is, therefore, devoting his energy for a good clause. <laughs> okay, that was well, cheesy. Anyway. Well, and I also know that he's uh, he had mentioned something about going to the outlets today to get us uh, some Christmas presents. Yes, he did mention that. So Gabe, um, when you hear this, just know we are looking forward uh, to Christmas. Yes, and we might even buy you a present as well. We just might. Well, in all seriousness, we are gathered to uh, talk about Christmas as we have entered the Advent season here and you know, we do, um, John, we do enjoy this season. I know you and Marla and the kids, uh, you do a great job of decorating and making everything festive. And um, it's a it's a fun time of year uh, with various Christmas gatherings and um, the lights and the presents and the cookies and uh, all those sorts of things. Um, but, uh, of course, we know as, as believers there's more uh, to Christmas than these things. And there's actually, uh, when we stop to think about Christmas and the the biblical narratives uh, of the Christmas story, um, there's a lot going on here that isn't so happy and light and airy. Mm. Yes, indeed. Uh, when we think of uh, this most wonderful time of the year, of course, we're thinking about uh, fresh bread and cookies coming out of the oven mm. and uh, family coming home and gathering together for the for the holidays and. We're thinking about wonderful Christmas music, and we enjoy mm-hmm. singing the Christmas hymns at church, and right. yeah. and you know, lots of things that, of course, we celebrate. Uh, we don't we don't think that we need to walk around uh, with dour faces, and everything always needing to be ultra ultra serious. And yet, when we do come to 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 Christmas, we we do want to remember that um, Jesus was born of a virgin. Mm. Uh, uh, to eventually go to a cross, mm. and and that's the, the the sign of Christmas that sometimes is um, is withheld. It's it's not understood. We we focus on the uh, the the beautiful little baby born in Bethlehem and all the love that we should be showing one another. Mm. And it's a it can often be a uh, a very um, weak uh, presentation. Almost of, a superficial. Yes. Presentation of it. We forget what the I forget which hymn it is, but "Born to Die" is one of the lyrics. Yes, um, yes. That's why he came. He came uh, to save us from our sins. And I, I love that text in one of my favorite Christmas hymns called "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," mm. where uh, the the medieval writer uh, puts it like this: "O come, thou rod of Jesse, free thine own from Satan's tyranny." From depths of hell thy people save, and give them victory 
or the grave. Mm -hmm. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. That's, it's beautiful. It, it, speaking of the cosmic struggle that's actually happening here, there's a battle that's going on with the birth of Christ. Yes, and, and the hymn writer is talking about being saved from hell. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that is essentially the message of Christmas, is that yes. Christ was born to a virgin miraculously, that he would live that life that we cannot and do not live, uh, fully uh, 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 keeping the law of God, perfectly satisfying all of God's requirements, mm. living a sinless life, and then laying his life down on the cross for our sins, mm. our sins nailed to the cross beside him, and he's bearing them in the side of a holy God, his mm. Father, and then bearing that wrath in our stead. And then, and then dying and three days later rising from the dead. That mm. is the good news of the gospel, and that's what Christmas really is all about. Mm. You know, we, we, in the Christmas season, I, I think oftentimes people uh, get the fact that the, the situation with Mary and Joseph having to travel, with you know, Mary almost giving birth and um, being very, very pregnant, and then having to um, give birth you know, in a manger and, you know, surrounded by animals and filth and those sorts of things, um, that all of that was very difficult and in a sense very humiliating. But um, I think sometimes we miss the fact that there was another level of humiliation that is happening in the Christmas story that concerns Christ, the second person of the Trinity, and his uh, voluntary condescension to take on human flesh. And that's something that, um, that our, our uh, Reformed tradition uh, in uh, speaks of and, and does a good job explaining, but um, John, uh, give us give us some insight here as to the humiliation of Christ and how that connects to Christmas. Yeah, so in the Westminster Larger Catechism, you have those theological categories of uh, the humiliation of Christ and the exaltation of Christ, mm -hmm. and the Larger Catechism in particular does a wonderful job of of, of teasing out that humiliation in the birth of Christ, in the life of Christ, and in uh, the death of Christ. Um, and even after his death, you know, being in the grave for mm -hmm. three days, his body being in the grave. And so what about the humiliation in his conception and birth? Question 47 of the Larger Catechism asks that question, how did Christ humble himself in his conception and birth? And the answer they give is this, Christ humbled himself in his conception and birth in that being from all eternity the Son of God in the bosom of the Father. He was pleased in the fullness of time to become the Son of Man, made of a woman of low estate, and to be born of her with diverse circumstances of more than ordinary abasement. Mm. Wonderful language here explaining to us that here is the eternal Son of God, the object of the worship of the angels. Mm. Uh, this is the apple of the Father's eye, the Prince of Heaven, who leaves the comforts and the riches and the splendor and the majesty of the courtrooms of heaven and is, is born of a woman. He becomes flesh. He becomes one of us mm. to be born of Mary. And then it says in this last clause, which is wonderful, with diverse circumstances of more than ordinary abasement. Mm. 
Mm. It wasn't that he left heaven and came down to even uh, a middle-class home with a middle-class family. That's right. Um, he was born in extraordinary abasement, mm -hmm. extraordinary poverty. To more clearly make that point, that he was willing to go to extraordinary lengths mm. to save his people from their sins. And so we we need to remember then that um, uh, along with some of the more lighthearted aspects of, of the Christmas season, that there's a very serious um, under uh, underpinning here, a very serious foundation, uh, which is indeed the, the salvation from sins. Uh, like you mentioned a moment ago, the, that, that Christ was coming to save us from hell and to endure hell in our stead, the, the wrath of God, and, and, and to, to do that from the very beginning, from the very beginning of his uh, incarnation, um, meaning his uh, becoming man, in, in a way that was extreme in its humility and its abasement, as the language of the uh, confession uses. That song, Mary, Did You Know, that we were speaking of uh, before the broadcast. Yeah, you're going to sing that for us afterward. I'm not going to sing that. Oh. <laughs> but I will... Uh, make mention of that one line uh, that says the one you will deliver will soon deliver you mm. what a powerful line that is that's right and when you think of a baby's hands uh, is there anything more precious no. than, a, than a baby's hands and and curling the hands around your finger and they're so soft like silk and and to think of Jesus's hands being like this and being in that cold air and being in uh, the manger and and to know that those hands would one day, 33 years later, uh, be pierced through with Roman nails, and he would mm. be mocked and scorned, and a, uh, a crown of thorns placed on his brow. And, and it's not wanting to simply overshadow the birth with the horror of the cross. No, the angels were glorifying God, the heavenly host was in the fields, while the shepherds were keeping watch by night, there was singing, there was wonder and glory. But at the same time, there was death. There was the reality of what was taking place here. Herod went after every child under two years old in Bethlehem and had them killed. Every mm. male child under two was put to death. And then, uh, if you'll remember back when uh, Simeon yeah. sang his marvelous song, uh, when he held the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in his arms. And then he gave some prophetic words. Uh, and, and it says in verse 33 of chapter 2 in the Gospel of Luke, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him by Simeon. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Mm. And so we have this language of swords piercing through the heart of, of Mary, even a short time after uh, he was born. Mm. So we want to remember that this is um, certainly a, a, a beautiful... Um, a beautiful narrative uh, in the scriptures, the, the the birth of Christ and all that led up to it, and, and certainly uh, was a uh, was and, and is a time and cause of a great celebration that God would become man. 
Um, but there's also this, this serious element um, that uh, the God who became man uh, took upon um, the, the, the curse of sin mm-hmm. uh, unto himself. And, um, and, and so there's this seriousness there. But then we also remember that with all of this, the, what's under, uh, undergirding it, the foundation of it all, um, is the, the love of God, the love of God for his people. Amen. And, you know, we have lots of wonderful Christmas ornaments uh, on our tree. And uh, I know there are Reformed brethren who are against celebrating Christmas. They see it as somehow uh, going against um, Reformed moorings and uh, even perhaps uh, going against Lord's Day observance and, you know, holding to a church calendar and those kinds of things. And, you know, just... uh, on a note, I uh, do want to mention that I do believe that it's okay for us to engage in those things that our culture engages in, insofar mm-hmm. as it's not sinful. Sure. Um, our culture celebrates various things, and the fact that our, our, our country was founded upon Christian principles, it never has been a Christian nation per se, sure. but when it was founded, of course, there were lots and lots, mostly actually Christians, who... Mm-hmm we're serious about their faith and uh, that that forms uh, the foundations of our, our our country's founding and we 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 agree with that and we celebrate that mm-hmm. um, but at the same time there are things that our country engages in that you 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 may celebrate and it's, it's okay like 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 Christmas having a Christmas tree for instance and sure. And you know we we enjoy celebrating those things. We we're, we don't have a Christmas tree in the sanctuary of our church. We right. don't walk up to it and 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 bow down to it. Um, <laughs> you know it, it's just a fun thing to do. And and we we have ornaments on that tree which we've collected over the years from you know the last 17 years of marriage with my wife and the kids have made some when they were little. But one of our favorite ornaments. Uh, is the, one of the most sobering ones. And that is, uh, it was given to me several years ago by a friend, and it's a long metal stake. Mm. And uh, and it's, it's meant to be hung against the trunk of the Christmas tree. And you always know it's there. And every time we bring it out, uh, I sit the kids down and we talk about the true meaning of Christmas, that Jesus was born uh, to die for our sins. Mm. And this... This long Roman metal stake uh, that that was is like the one that Christ would have would have felt in his in his hands and in his feet. Yeah. Uh, we we talk about it and then we place it up against the trunk of the tree and we remember uh, what Christ has has done for us. Uh, so that's that's part of our own uh, tradition in the, in the Payne household. Mm. Well. A lot to think about, uh, a lot to ponder as we enter in on the Christmas season. And so we thank you for joining us on this episode of Between the Times and um, look forward to next time.